Welcome to the junk drawer. Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees the tweet <laughs> and replies, watch it again, it's mostly Tom's fault. How's the body? Great body. <laughs> no, the dead body. The dead <laughs> body. I'll give you 20 minutes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, all that you need to do is shoot guns and have sex? Uh, I'd give it an 80%. Oh my That's god. Fine. Here's why. You know the differences between y'all and me? I make this look good. It's finally time to open the junk drawer. Hello, we are back for another episode of Hello. The Junk Drawer. <laughs> Hi there. My name is Bryce Howell. I will be hosting this week with my good friends, Mario. Hi, Mario Arrico, that is. Yeah, and uh, our producer slash co-host, Cole Brown. Hey, I'm, I'm one of those other good friends he mentioned. Yes. Well, I only said good friend about Mario for a reason. That's okay. Yeah, he didn't use the plural. That's you know that's what? My that was presumptuous. Your guys' friendship is exactly where I thought it would be at this point. You know <laughs> Child and friends to where we are today. Inside yeah. jokes are great for listeners. Okay, this <laughs> week we are going to talk about a movie I'm very excited about, boys. Oh, boy. Um, plot summary. In the distant future, high school kids are encouraged to become citizens by joining the military. What they don't know is that they'll soon be engaged in a full-scale war against a planet of alien insects. <laughs> the fight is on to ensure the safety of humanity. We are talking about 1997's Starship oh. Troopers. So that was mm, exciting synopsis. I am truthfully very excited to this episode. This is the one that I've been most pumped as I was prepping for. Um, wow! <clears throat> because I think this is a movie that gets better every time you watch it. Um, and so we have Mario, who has never seen it before. He's only no. seen it the very first time. First time this week to watch it. Lost so my virginity, not. That's, that's okay. Um, yeah, it's so visceral. we're going to start, as we always do, with ratings. Uh, Mario, your personal right. rating is the one I'm most interested in. Cool. All right. So for the listeners, and maybe for the other panelists here, this category is the film as a whole. Not your enjoyment rating, but what is the movie rated. Okay? I preface oh, that in saying this. Fired. I preface that in saying this. The movie is not a good movie, okay? Objectively, it is bad. However, it was so much fun to watch, I really enjoyed it a lot. And I really want to rewatch it because it's, it's funny. At times, it doesn't know what it wants to be. Other times, it knows exactly what it wants to be. It feels like a Disney Channel original movie, a soap opera, an episode of Star Trek, and just so much all rolled into one. So, rating-wise, I give it a solid, and this is generous, I think, 53% as a movie overall. Not to say that I didn't enjoy it, but that's what I give it, a 53%. Okay. Uh, so, first-time viewer, Mario Rico, 53. Cole, what do you got? Well, I think to you know put context to my own response here is that I don't know that you can really separate your enjoyment of a movie from its... Excellence as a no, movie. No, you can. I think there's plenty of movies that I would say aren't good if I don't enjoy them. Even if I'm scared or thrilled or excited or whatever throughout, it can still be a movie that I'm passionate about. Uh-oh, I'm scared of this. So, for me, my personal rating, I think I do side with Bryce's initial description of this as a movie that tends to age well for me. That each time I watch it, I'm like, I like remember scenes again and I like looking forward to it again. Um, but... For me, I think it falls somewhere in uh, a place of around 75. 75. What? 
on a movie. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Um, so this is probably the reason I was most excited about it is because wow. this was a movie that initial reviews were overwhelmingly negative. Yes. Terrible reviews to come out. But as it has grown, this movie is now 22 years old, people's opinion of the movie has changed in a positive way. So some of the initial reviews about the movie, uh, this is not a direct quote, uh, but it's panned by a couple of people, specifically our good friend Roger Ebert at the Chicago Sun-Times. Oh God. Um, they called the movie shallow and oriented towards teenage male science fiction fans. Um, which, yeah, again, if that's what the movie is, then that's great. But I think they missed the movie. And I think a lot of us watching the movie the first time missed it. So <clears throat> uh, my opinion, the first time I saw it was similar. Like, oh, this is just a fun action movie. I'm into it. But the movie is soaked in satire. That is, uh, it never laughs at itself. It only lets the mask slip at one point, And I'll talk about that later. And so Callum Marsh at The Atlantic said... Uh, the movie was satire, ruthlessly funny and keenly self-aware send-up of right-wing militarism that criticizes the military-industrial complex, the jingoism of American foreign policy, and a culture that privileges reactionary violence over sensitivity and reason. Uh, another review mm. in th uh, 2017 said that it is too damn well made for its own good and said that it confused oh audiences and critics. And I think that the fact that it is always satirical but it's, again, never at any point laughing at itself that a lot of people in 1997 missed the satire and they just think, oh, this is a stupid action movie. And uh, <clears throat> so that they uh, gave it negative reviews, which if that's all you saw and you missed that next level, I would say that this is not a very good movie. But personally, I enjoy this movie a lot for all of the over-the-top stuff that is satirizing a specific type of American foreign policy, I think. Before you give your rating, though, yeah. let me ask you this. Because I, <clears throat> I had this issue you were describing. I don't think the movie knows, or at least it doesn't effectively communicate that it's trying to be a satire. Because at times you can't tell that it's not taking itself too seriously. Because I'm watching it thinking, oh my god, does this movie know what it's trying to accomplish? Or is it trying to be the next Star Wars. So let's, let's talk about that. So our next category is, are we sure? Which my favorite question is, are we sure this movie is bad? Um, and I do have some, some critiques of this movie, but I definitely think that this movie is sure that it is satire. Um, it is, but I don't know if it knew that. <laughs> well, specifically because there's a couple things that tell you it's very obviously satire. Number one is the film rules. Film reels throughout the movie are obviously satires of um, different film reels uh, that are used for like military propaganda. They're so ridiculous. Jimmy's doing his part. Right, a little yeah. kid with a machine gun, True. a bunch of kids stomping on cockroaches being like, we hate bugs. Like, that's obvious. And then the other thing that makes it obvious to me is the director, uh, Paul Verhoeven, um, famous for making some other uh, satirical movies. Specifically, he made RoboCop about 10 years before this, which has some similar themes and messages and a similar style. Um, and so Michael Ironside, one of the actors in the movie, he plays the teacher and later plays the sergeant. Mm. Um, <laughs> he was familiar with the novel. And so, not to step on my tiddly bits later, but the novel is not satire. It is a send up of how great right-wing militarism is. And so Michael Ironside, familiar with the no novel, said, uh, 
why are you doing a fascist movie? And so Paul Verhoeven at, re responded, if I tell the world that a right-wing fascist way of doing things doesn't work, no one will listen to me. So I'm going to make a perfect fascist world. Everything is beautiful, everything is shiny, everything has big guns and fancy ships, but it's only good for killing fucking bugs. <laughs> and so I definitely think that he knew what he was doing at times. And we'll talk about, uh, when we talk about how we fix the movie, what makes it not seem right, but um, I'm interested to hear what you think makes it seem like it's not satire at certain points. Well, wait, wait, so what's what your, your Oh, I'm sorry, I have it at 80%. Oh yes, my. dude, I love this movie. Let me ask you guys I've seen this movie almost this. a dozen times now, and it gets better every time. Truthfully, more things that are clever filmmaking at, in terms of satire creep through that I enjoy. And so, I think it gets better every time. I, I need to ask again, this question before we move on. Are you too capable of acknowledging that a movie is bad, but yet you can still enjoy it? Absolutely, yes. But as a film, on as a piece of work, how can you give this an eighty percent? Because so your your criticisms, which we've discussed a little bit off air, um, are that the plot is stupid and simple. But it's shot. But that's like, the point. It looks like one hundred five million dollar budget. I think it said it was. It looks like you picked up your camera at home and shot it. Like the film quality's poor. I don't think the film quality is poor. Oh, that's the first thing I noticed. The film quality. It looked like you were so, watching a Disney Channel movie. I mean, so the film reels are intentionally like that Disney Channel style because they're supposed to look like real propaganda. They're affecting I'm talking the about like the football but you're talking scene. About, oh, <laughs> like, the football scene is bad. The football scene is not good. And again, I enjoyed watching it, but I just have a... A tough time. Yeah, I'll say this. So, like, I mean, we're kind of merging sections here, but I, it's funny that Mario's saying that because I'm just I, being why a snob I, no, on no, no, purpose. No, I get you. Because I, I, my ratings is 75%, but it's funny because I have an almost identical complaint early here, which is that I said that my biggest gripe is that the shots and lighting that it looks to be, and I put in my notes, a Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> um, and it's, only so often true. I think part of it, and this is like a something I found out later, is that a lot of the actors are also from 90210. So there's like an aspect uh, of it that's kind of like that's true. they are soap actors, some of them. Okay. And so they might that might be part of what's kind of making it look that strange. Is Van Deen? Yeah. He looked Van Deen. Yeah, I'm sorry. He looked exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, no, you said it right. It is Van Deen. Uh, Van Deen. My yeah. fault. I had um, to listen to an interview before this to make sure I got the name right, and I got it wrong. <laughs> First thing I thought of, I'm like, that guy must be in a soap opera. But when I look at this, and so while well, again, I love the movie. I think part of my comparison issue is I look at Men in Black, which we've also done on this show, which also came out in 1997. Men in Black did with a smaller budget better than what, you know, Starship Troopers couldn't do with a larger budget. And I get there's, you know, it's harder to like do an alien planet and that all that aspect. Obviously, like Men in Black took place in New York in a real place so you could go film there. But to me, Men in Black just looks a lot stronger. Yeah. Shot, lighting, all that execution elements. But <laughs> we could tell the money didn't go towards the effects, or it went to like the CGI, the aliens. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And right. I mean, that's not enough for me to like not enjoy the movie. Yeah. Right. I well, also I, think again, Men I in Black is this. an objectively better movie yes. than this is. My whole snobbery. Shawshank was... is better. We can say <laughs> that, right? We all agree The Godfather Two is better than Starship Troopers. My, my snobbery <laughs> is the fact that you guys can acknowledge that this is considered objectively a bad movie. But I see. I that's but it's my enjoyable to watch. Is, you know? I don't think it's an objectively bad movie. I think it was considered a bad movie on release and as it's aged, has aged well. All right. So what's the uh, RT score, Rotten Tomato score? Rotten Tomato score is a 63%. So okay. Cole, I think, is closest to the That's actually level. higher than I thought it would be. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if that in, uh, include. I don't know their formula. I don't know if that includes more recent re-reviews. So That's a good question. Th it had its 20th anniversary relatively recently. Right. And so if there were more recent re-reviews that gave it an 85 or something, that would pull it back up. Audience scores have to be pretty high, right? Uh, I didn't look up the audience score. Be fun to see. Yeah, go ahead and take a peek at that. Um, so are you sure, Bryce? I am sure that this movie is satire. <laughs> which is, I think, my redirection for that question. Mm. So, let's talk about But we do agree that it is flawed. It is not a perfect <laughs> movie by any stretch. So, my favorite way to fix a movie is, how can I fix this movie in the fewest number of moves? What is the most efficient fix? Um, and so I have a quick fix that I think fixes the movie, but Mario, what do you think fixes the movie fastest? Um, <laughs> Actually, just talking about the budget, how much of the budget, how big of a budget we had, I think... They invest a little bit more money on maybe some set work, some of the prop work, make it look a little higher end so it doesn't look as, you know, campy at times. So I think that could fix a lot. Your your criticism is not of the alien planet scenes, but the spaceship scenes. Yeah, honestly, and I can't believe I'm saying this now that I've seen the movie. Because going in, I was like, oh, this is probably going to be horrible. The CGI is actually not bad. There's times where you could tell, okay, it's 1997, but... It's actually not horrible. The um, uh, the mega bugs, the ones that breathe fire, look yeah, pretty breathe, decent. Yeah. Oh, see, I was gonna go the other the other way. The ones with the. Yeah. The the. the but the, I think those are more practical effects. I'm not sure. Okay. They did um, they did a mixture. The, yeah. the The actual like, kind of Zerg swarm portion bugs. Right. Those ones were CGI. a mixture of CGI okay. and then some that were actually yeah, full size yeah. robotics. Um, but yeah, if they would have invested some of that budget into. Just the lighting at times, like Cole mentioned. I know that sounds really snobbery like of me, but it's like it would change the way the film looks and just give it a better feel, especially if they're going for a more serious tone at times. They could have fixed a lot. Um, I had written down cast, but I honestly didn't have too much of a problem with the cast. I thought the acting actually wasn't bad. Like I was expecting this to be horribly acted. It actually was fine. The dialogue at times was written poorly, but the acting I thought was was fine. So I think I would just change some of the, how you apportion the budget. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I've, I've kind of mentioned this already, but there's a reason why people use the descriptor cinematic look. Um, and that, again, while I enjoyed this movie, there's not a portion of it that I think ever hits the cinematic look, where it looks like a really high budget movie. Um, you think not, that was not, on purpose? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's weird to me because one of the things Bryce and I have talked about before, just like in jest, is that you can tell a soap opera is a soap opera from like three seconds of seeing a yeah. shot from it. Like the way the lighting looks, the way the camera work looks, you can tell that it's a soap opera. Um, and, you know, kind of conversely, there's plenty of times where you can tell if somebody posts a clip that it's from a true movie with how it looks, if it looks very cinematic. Um, and so I think my one change is definitely similar to Mario's where... If we give less money to kind of the CGI aspects or the things that, you know, um, maybe don't travel as far with the same dollar uh, as much as, you know, having a little bit better camera work or maybe having better lighting, um, able to build a set with, you know, a, a more true kind of what looks like natural lighting and not just kind of prop lighting. Okay. So I'm actually going to go the opposite direction of you guys. Mario, I do think that we can improve the cast very quickly. Okay. And I'm always leery of like 
picking on people that I don't know. And so I don't want to make any weird attacks, but I don't think Casper Van Dien is very good in this movie. He's the main actor. He plays Johnny Rico. And a quick perusal of his IMDb page tells me he hasn't done much not Starships Trooper related <laughs> in the intervening... Who knew there were other Starship Troopers? Yeah, who knew? <laughs> um, so I think he recast Johnny Rico, and I think that fixes a lot of problems. Number one, a big and legitimate criticism of the movie is the whitewashing of the cast. Yeah, I noticed that too. You might wow. remember the film is set in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Yeah. Argentina. And everybody is white. Is so he supposed to be Hispanic? Not... Great. The character is obviously supposed to be Hispanic. His parents are white as His ass. parents are white. His name is Johnny Rico. Rico, yeah. His commentary on that, because people gave him gripe about that, is he said it was uh, the equivalent of being a German exile post-war, living in Argentina, and then growing up there. That's why. Sure. See, there's Whatever. too much explanation <laughs> not, not after great. the fact. No, no, no. That's just a joke. <laughs> oh. not, not a real <laughs> issue. I'm just saying. Not great. And then I don't think he's a good actor in this movie. He might be a good actor in other movies. Right. I don't know. So incredible I think name, him. incredible character name. Yeah. I think you would like Johnny Rico is a great character name. I want to be Johnny Rico. And I have the perfect casting. It is an actor who is arguably the patron saint of the junk uh, the junk drawer. Uh, even though we haven't done one of his movies yet, I'm looking at a young, only thirty at the time of the release, Vin Diesel, in this role. Oh, I don't see it. At all. I, I think, think Vin Diesel boy. has spent... Vin Diesel is a beautiful human being, first of all. Don't. Second of all, Vin Diesel has spent the majority of his career in the Fast and Furious movies playing it straight in an absurd movie, which is what you need to be able to do as the lead actor in this movie. You need to be able to play it straight, but also it, the movie's ridiculous. Yeah. And so... He does Saving Private Ryan a year later. One year later, he's in Saving Private Ryan. So I think if we get young Vin Diesel in this movie, this is... The greatest satirical movie of all time. I, I think Vin Diesel could be an effective cast in delivering the lines and the character and everything. But honestly, did, one thing I noticed watching this movie is you have a pretty boy. First thing I thought of, oh, this guy, is this guy supposed to be like Mark Hamill? A young her heroine. If this is supposed to be like another IP in science fiction world, this guy is reminding me of Mark Hamill. He is an attractive guy because you have a really attractive actress in Denise Richards. Mm -hmm. I don't think Vin Diesel works. A casting one if I saw and I, I heard it. I'm like, this is awesome. James Marsden. Okay, but that's still a white dude. <laughs> which doesn't I mean, Vin Diesel's a white guy too. I'm not trying to fix the... Vin Diesel is not white. What is he? Vin Diesel's parent, his mother is white. He has famously said he doesn't know his father's... He didn't know his biological father at all. All right. And so he says he has all kinds of ethnicities inside Well, that's him. cheating, but... He doesn't if, know his father. That's a rude James, thing to say. If James Marsden doesn't know his race, then I think he's okay. a good... But I think... Think about it. Like, you know what I thought of those Nachos Taco Bell fry commercials? Yes. James Marsden is like a sci-fi guy. Uh, well, we'll have to agree to this. <laughs> he's, he's on Westworld. I ride... Which you would know if you watched the Blu-rays that I bought you for Christmas. I ride for Vin Diesel forever and always, and uh, I think Vin Diesel fixes this movie. Do you hear the what-if cast who they wanted? No, I couldn't find any what-if cast. Ma things. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. I saw Mark Wahlberg, Turned yeah. it down. Oh, and James no. Marsden also Mark Wahlberg turned for it down. sure doesn't know it's a joke. Yeah, no way. I think Mark Wahlberg thinks this is his life as he's born, if he's born a thousand years. Yeah, I think... Sure. Yeah, he's fully convinced that Bugs wouldn't bring down his plane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I actually think Van, Di Van Deem is a perfect cast for this movie, for this type of movie. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's good at delivering the over-the-top macho lines that Vin Diesel delivers without any just, hint of... Because Denise Richards was... I mean, she's probably one of the worst actresses in the film. 
She's in very little of the film. She's not in the movie very much. I mean, uh, she doesn't... Denise Richards goes on to have a very successful career after this also. Tis true. She's gorgeous in this movie, but she doesn't act well, I don't think. Okay. But so real quick, my... Because my, you got me thinking about it. If it's not Vin Diesel for me, it might be Antonio Banderas. Now, he's not... He's not... Argentinian. I was thinking young Antonio Banderas as well. But I think about his his like role in uh, Zorro, which mm-hmm. is like somewhat similar kind of persona, where it's just this kind of this guy who can do it all, um, doing it all. What about and, Wilmer Va- Valderrama? And he could probably Wilmer do. Wilmer Valderrama was like seven years old when this movie like came Fez? out. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he very young when this movie came no. out? <laughs> and I think Banderas could definitely do the confidence scenes but then also do a little bit more of the like I can the see that raw raw emotional scenes and it might be I have no idea how old he is they might be the same age Vin Diesel and Antonio Banderas but as I thought of that casting I thought Antonio Banderas looked too old but of course yeah he's he's a lot older now than he was in 1997 um, okay so let's keep it going uh, with what I don't want to call the best scene but I want to know which scene sells the movie so my idea is that if you want to Convince somebody to watch this movie and you got five, ten minutes. What scene do you show them? Mario? Um, it's tough to convince someone to... The city. To watch. First, you have to tell them what it is they're getting themselves into. Right? Just a fun movie. After that, I show them the whole... It's a lengthy scene. I think it's... Did they say it was like a Mormon church? A former Mormon church? Mm-hmm. When they go and they have to fight off the invasion. That was oh, cool. No, no, no. Those are separate scenes. They say a former Mormon church went to the bug planet and was massacred. They're actually going to rescue a, a oh, okay. military outpost. Oh, and that outpost yeah. scene. That the was, outpost scene is the best part. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. Um, Whiskey outpost. Okay. Is that That's what it's called? called. That's oh. what they call it. That, um, I thought you were just saying that because we're drinking whiskey. Well, no, that's just a beautiful correlation. The Wonderful. Sh- the shower scene in which the males and the females shower together. The shower scene's funny. I have a tiddly bit about the shower scene later. Me too. I'm probably the same it's one. It's probably the same thing. Was not expecting it. Diz f- f- just go totally takes his shirt off. I'm like, this is pretty great. And also like the, the sex scene between Rico and Diz. Yeah. I actually don't try to be funny, but there's actually, they built up that romance pretty well throughout the movie. And I thought it was kind of a f- cool to see them get together. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what scene I would never show, that football scene, whatever sport they're playing. Sports ball. Yeah. Sports and, ball. And she's take, Diz is like taking down the grown man. Diz is like the third best player after, <laughs> of course, Johnny Rico has to be the best. And of course. And other douche has Cameron, to be good. whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, so a good thing about that. And that's just before the uh, outpost. So you could combine that as one scene, really. You could start with the sex scene and then go to the outpost, which the outpost is pretty long. But um, I like that scene as well because it does also add to the satire of the the movie again that the only thing young men should be doing is is fighting wars and and having sex uh, because he doesn't want to. And the captain's like, you should, like, Never pass up a good thing. I'll like, give you 20 minutes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's like all that you need to do is shoot guns and have sex. Um, so yeah, I think I think that is a great... I was trying to think like, is there one scene that shows you just how ridiculous it is? I think we just described all... Everything. We just... Uh... Well, an- another uh, good scene to do that, and it doesn't have the action part of it, so you do miss a lot of the cheesy action, but when they're, uh, when they're joining up, uh, they go and the recruiter guy is sitting there... And he's like, oh, what are you joining? And she says, like, Airborne. And what are you joining? He says, Mobile Infantry, which seems to be the worst one based on the context of the movie. And he says, congratulations, son. Mobile Infantry made me what I, the man I am today. And he shakes his hand. 
and he has a metal arm and no legs. And like that scene, again, when I said it only really lets the mask slip one time, like that scene is where the satire is the most over the top. Because he says, mobile infantry is the man, made me the man I am today. And then it immediately cuts to a shot of him with no legs. And I think that is a good scene to introduce people to the movie so they kind of know what they're getting into. Like you said, that it is a bit over the top. <laughs> more than a bit over See, the top. I, I don't think they effectively did. Because I didn't get that they were trying to make a satire there. The whole time I'm thinking they're just trying to be that another scene, Star Wars. That scene would be the most this, heavy-handed satire in any movie. This movie, in researching it, is so over-explained as the years have gone by to try to save, like try to salvage what the movie was trying to be. I feel like it's ineffective if you have to explain it so much. I should just be able to watch it and be like, oh, that's what they're trying to convey. But I think that's true of a lot of satires. The most famous satire, we all read it in high powers? school. No, that's <laughs> that is a that's that's a parody. Well, same thing. I think you're confusing those words. Oh. A satire, the most famous one we read in high school is Amaya's proposal, and so the guy writes this long article about why. Didn't read it. The reason we, the best way to solve the problem with the poor is we should start eating poor babies, right? And at the time, I remember sitting in high school class, and people were like, "Is this guy for real?" Obviously, he's not. And I think that's what this movie is too. That a lot of people miss the satire at first. They're like, is this guy for real? And I think the other reason people miss the satire, Mario, is because <clears throat> we've become so ultra-violent in a lot of movies that you almost can't satirize it anymore. It's like, there's so movies, so many people that would make this movie, like you're saying, and have no sense of humor about it. Like this is, you know, like they said, this is what the kids want to see these days. Um, but I think, and, and you are correct that it should stand on its own. But I think we can be sure that it's satire based off of the director's comments in, in pre-production, before the movie gets made. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But Cole, I want to know what scene you yeah. think sells the movie. Mine is, uh, I mean, similar to, to Mar. I mean, if I'm picking my, my scene that sells the movie best, it is, I call it Rico's Roughnecks. It's the time in which Rico assumes command because he, they lose their commanding officer defending Whiskey Outpost. Because it, it hits... The epicness of kind of what they're fighting if you're going to try to sell this the sci-fi action side of the movie. Because you see all, like literally thousands of these bugs crawling from everywhere, crawling over the battlements, like in their, at their kind of last stand. But then I think, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you call this satire, but for me it's somewhat satire. In that same scene is when, um, when... <laughs> Is when Diz takes a mandible through the body. She gets hmm. killed. Essentially, she dies later in the same scene. But she gets attacked by a bug. Then goes through her body. It's so gory, so gruesome. Rika runs over to her after they shoot this thing to bits. And this mandible is sticking out of her torso. And I'm not exaggerating to say that it's like the size of a great white shark fin. Like it is <laughs> yeah. gigantic. It's it not bigger. And then his response, he double hand tears it, it out of her. Yeah, of course. That's what you do. Like, so much internal bleeding, so much, like, certain death. She might have survived if he leaves it in. Exactly. <laughs> he, he tears it, he runs up, tears it out like it's, you know, picking the He didn't love her. And then he lays Not her really. into the plane to get out of there. But yeah, I think that scene does so many things super, super well to, like, sell the movie. Um, Can I? I think if we're, if we're also just talking about what, movie, what scene sells the satire the best, is I would probably show people just two or three of the... The the propag the propaganda films like oh the, for sure Jimmy's doing his part and you know join the infantry or they uh, they shove the probe in the brain bug and it just says censored yeah. <laughs> right which makes or me laugh or when they you know shoot the cow like I mean no, they, 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 let, the know, they, they let the cow get destroyed 
I so. think if you, again, this movie was ahead of its time in saying this. I'm not unconvinced that it's a satire. It is a satire. You watch it today, if that was made today, obviously you're watching that, especially with the propaganda. You're like, oh, they're poking fun, right? I think in 1997, they, they couldn't get away with that. It hadn't been really done before or not successfully. Another, no other movies come to mind. Right. Maybe some of the Monty Python stuff. Well, so <clears throat> this movie is making all of these points four years before, or more than that, four, before the United States invades Afghanistan, which would be kind of the yeah. pinnacle of that attitude. And so you are, you are right in that that might be a part of the reason as well. Because if you watch it through a post-Iraq yeah. war lens, you get a lot of those things that I'm sure people in the 90s missed. Um, and going back to Cole with the, the scene with Diz, this had a kind of game of, games of Game of Thronesianness to it, where the characters you liked die, right? Right. I could not believe they killed Diz. Like I was upset because that's the romance you want to happen. Because Denise Richards' character is kind of a jerk; she doesn't right. really love Rico. Yeah. I'm like, are you are you kidding me? Inside of how is Rico not in love with Diz? Yeah. <laughs> the girl is a babe. It's so she's cool. Badass. <laughs> like. She could kick his ass. Gosh, she's so cool. The most important thing you could do with your life is to die fighting. That's that's, that's what the movie's point is. But yeah, the reason why that scene also sells it for me is because Rico finishes it with saying that uh, he assumes command. He says, "Yeah, I'll do it until I get killed, or you find someone better." Yeah, which Great is line. Which, is, quote. which is yeah, obviously yeah. No, he reuses it, and then he re even reuses it when he introduces himself to his new infantry. Yep. Um, okay, so another great thing about this movie is this movie is full of like moments of is that. Is that who I think it is? Uh, so it's late 90s, so a lot of people up and coming. Um, so who in this movie did you see that was your most like that guy? So we got Neil Patrick Harris. We do have Denise Richards, who wasn't famous at the time, but becomes super famous after this movie. Um, there's a bunch more. Yeah. So who, who's your yeah. guy? So for me, I think the, hey, I know that guy is uh, Clancy Brown. Uh, and he's, uh, we've talked about this That's before. That's him right there? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Um, we've talked about this before from uh, the rewatchables. They have the... Joey, Joey Pants. Right, Joe Pantaleone. Joe Pantaleone, who was in Daredevil. We did that cast yeah. as well. Uh, but Clancy Brown, uh, he is just in this movie playing another version of himself where he's just the man in service. He's, he's if you don't know who he is, he's um, keeping guard on Shawshank. Uh, he's also the voice of Sathur from Thor Ragnarok, the big oh, fiery yeah. guy. Uh, like whatever he is, the Ragnarok that actually happens in the movie. Spoiler alerts. Uh, but he's <laughs> also the voice from Lex Luthor, which is my childhood of Justice League. Wow. Uh, so Clancy Brown, love that dude. He plays the same role in every movie. He's always the stern speaker because he's the he drill has a very, sergeant. Yes, he's a stern voice man. Yeah. What about for you? Mine was the first one I noticed was Diz. She is in Friends, early Friends. Joey does a a Broadway. It's not Broadway. It's off Broadway show, and she is an actress that he falls in love with. He's like obsessed with. She's dating the director of the play, and he can't get with her. And he finally gets with her. Never seen her in anything else. And she's really like, she's a strong female character in the Friends episode, but she's feminine. So to see her as like this tomboy badass was totally different for me. Wait, she's the guy that, or she's the girl that Joey has the relationship with that is actually dating the director? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. So what I just said. Um, <laughs> um, the teacher, I, can't, I don't know the actor's name. Michael Ironside. Was it Jack Nicholson wannabe? Michael Ironside. So, Michael Ironside is my answer for this question. Yeah. Because Michael Ironside, for a, for a young Bryce, was in so many of my formative movies. He is in Top Gun, 
Who is he in Top Gun? He is one of the instructors at Top Gun. Yeah, he's one of the I instructors. I think he's Jester. I don't okay. remember if that's his call sign. Jester might be uh, Tom Selleck. That's not the right name. Anyway, um, for a very young Bryce, now less mainstream movies than Top Gun, he's also in the next Karate Kid starring Hilary Swank. He is the villainous character in that movie. And uh, he's also. There's the, a Karate Kid without Ralph Macchio. That's correct. There that are three it? Karate Kids with Ralph Macchio, I think. And then there, I think, is a fourth without Hilary Swank. I knew there was one with, with, uh, with uh, Smith, Will Smith's son. But yes, wow. so not that one. Um, Michael Ironside is in it. And also, he is the villain in Jet Jackson, the TV movie, which a is young Bryce Howell. Is that a Disney movie? It's a Disney Channel original movie, baby. There you so, go. So, all and of these things. What else? He's also the voice of Darkseid, another just as a character I like a lot. And the, the, the show. animated movies? Yeah, yeah, oh, the, okay. like the, the animated series. From oh, I didn't know that. Um, so anyway, I had seen him in all these things as a kid, and I didn't watch Starship Troopers until I was an adult. And I see him, and I'm like, hey, that's my dude! And I thought he was going to be a bad guy, because he's been a bad guy in every movie I've ever seen. <laughs> but, uh, Sorry, he, he's got a bad guy voice. It's funny the, the connections to Friends I have with this movie, because Denise Richards, mm -hmm. she also plays Ross and Monica's cousin in an episode of Friends, where okay. Ross is so attracted to her, and he thinks that she's trying to flirt with him, and he goes in to try to kiss his cousin, and she like freaks out at him. Um, oh, wait, is she the girl who plays Ross's cousin? I hate you so much. Um, also funny anecdote that, uh, the blonde haired friend, I can't remember his name, Gary Busey's son. Yep. Yo, yo, yeah, Busey. yeah. You can tell they look very similar. He is awesome in this movie. He's really good. He's yeah. like so good. Yeah. Talk about a smile passed down through the generations. Oh my God. <laughs> it's a generational smile. It's what you sure. mentioned. Um, Top Gun. I'm like this, these are like a knockoff goose. Yeah. Like a uh, African goose. Well, all the characters definitely have Top Gun names. That is Dizzy, a Rico. His name is Ace, Jake Busey. Ace, yeah. Uh, except for Neil Patrick Harris, whose name is Carl. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> but yeah, they have a lineage of incisors in their family. Oh, we don't man. put, hey, I know that guy is NPH because he's too big. He's too big. Yeah, he's yeah. too big. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I didn't pick him is because I vividly remember him being in this movie. Every time I yep. watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, Neil Patrick Harris is in that. I knew he was in it before I even saw it. Exactly. Yep. Um, but yeah, he, it's definitely like his first big thing after being Doogie Howser as a kid. Yeah. His first thing as, a, as an adult. Um, so, one of my favorite parts. Uh, we're going to be in hmm. Tidbits now, and Tidbits is sponsored this week by... Netscape. Thank you, Netscape. Shouts out yeah. to for sponsoring Tidbits. Appreciate it. Um, Tiddly bits. So, this is just where we uh, take our respective internet research that didn't fit anywhere else and just share it. So, uh, I'm going to go first because this is my one of my favorite parts about it. So, I've mentioned how Paul Verhoeven has said many times that this is supposed to be satirical. It's meant to be taken, uh, not literally. And uh, so um, he started to direct this movie, and at the time it was called Bug Hunts at Outpost 9. And so he's making this movie, and someone says, Hey, you know, that actually sounds a lot like the book Starship Troopers. And he's like, Oh man, all right, I guess I'll just make that. And so he starts reading Starship Troopers, the novel, and he can't finish it because he said it was too boring. Yeah. So he makes someone in the crew read it for him and tell him what it was about. And then he decides he's going to do the opposite of that. Because the novel is actually, again, like a homage to how great right-wing militarism is. And the he, he the Marines, of... they require you to read that. Really? Yeah, they have required Today? writing, I swear. I, at least, you know, we don't get the fact check too That's much. That's not but great. On internet research. Oh, no. Because, of, yeah. I All right. Like, oh, boy. Yeah, it's just, you know, just winging it here. But apparently that's what 
which yes. Peter says. Yeah. And then my other tiddly bit, which I think is the one that we shared, the shower scene. So oh, there's yeah. actually two nude scenes in the movie, the sex scene and the shower scene. A large portion of the cast is completely naked. And so the cast said, we will do this scene naked if you direct it naked. Yep. And so Paul Verhoeven was like, all right, let's yeah. do it. And the cinematographer. <laughs> get back. Just get back a little. Just get back. So uh, that's funny to imagine that scene being shot yeah. for me. It's crazy how much CGI they had to use. <laughs> you know, not complaining, but a little sexism. How, how so? The women were topless. You didn't see any male nudity. Oh. The whole time I'm thinking, oh boy, this w is going to be... Wouldn't that be not sexist, though, that everybody was shown the same? Yeah, but I think... I don't know if my gender politics are... I don't want to go down this road. Yeah. Let's just stop. <laughs> Back on the main highway. <laughs> so let's Other tidbits. tidbits. Yeah. Nipples for tit for tat. I think that applies here. <laughs> it's not very well, very well stated. Uh, my little tiddly bit. If I grab a, grab them by the tiddly bits here. Um, the uniforms modeled after the Third Reich. Yep. Yeah. Horrible. Just a horrible detail there. Well, I mean that's on purpose. Yeah. 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 They look very bad. Um, one of the things I noticed right away is, oh my god, this is a a these are props. It looked like to me, I know you guys are not familiar with this, it looked like an Entourage movie, like a movie that Vinny Chase, the lead actor, would be making in an episode of Entourage. So they're like behind the scenes and his buddies would be making fun of him like, Vince, you sure you want to do this movie? The props are bad. They look plastic. They actually reused, reused the, the suits that they would use for Power Rangers, which is funny because first thought I had, I swear, first thought I'm like, this looks like an episode of Power Rangers. So they would reuse them for Power Rangers, and then um, Joss Whedon would, would reuse them for uh, Firefly. It's a pretty hot take to be out on Nazi fashion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, right? I can't believe you're so uh, staunch on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been not kind of, a fan. I think I've been all over the Friends references tonight, and so for me, you know, it's also funny because it's kind of like you know an episode where Joey's... No, don't... don't. Dr. Drake or Moray. That has nothing to do... It's like a scene, you know, a scene within a oh, scene. Oh, so pop. Yeah. I hate you. <laughs> uh, my tiddly bit is uh, Klindathu, the alien planet where they have their battles and recap it on the alien race, uh, is actually filmed in Wyoming in an area called Hell's Half Acre in the Badlands. Huh. Okay. So it actually doesn't take place on Klindathu. The <laughs> that's planet. good to know. That's good to know. Um, that would probably be, that's probably actually where a lot of the money would have gone if they had to travel that yeah. far. They'd still be traveling, probably. Yeah. So this is interesting. Uh, I just thought of that when you talked about how expensive it would be to actually fly to Klindathu. Um, a, a lot of people think, and this is like the most subtle satire, is that the whole premise of the movie is ridiculous because if you look at who they're fighting, these insects or arachnids or bugs or whatever they call them, they have shot an asteroid light years across the galaxy at Earth, right? So that's the premise that starts this war between them. What but a plot. It, if you watch the bugs... That seems impossible. They can't possibly do that. Yeah. The best they can do is shoot these gas light balls into their immediate atmosphere. And so the premise is that perhaps this is a forever war, 1984 situation where we've always been at war with Klandathu, and it might have even been fabricated by the own government to, to start this war, which I think mm. is an interesting... Very, again, a lot well. of undertones in the Iraq and Afghanistan war. Yeah, well, there you go. that... It's yeah. real touchy real quick. Oh, we have an excuse to go to war with the Clendathwin. Right. The Clendathans. So maybe, maybe Paul Verhoeven was sent back in time to warn us. And we didn't I listen. I don't know. How does that theory hold up? Not good. Okay, fair. That's fair. All or right. is there a parallel universe where Armageddon is based off of the Clendathian asteroid shot at us? <laughs> Can I are, ask? Are Armageddon and 
Starship Troopers in the same fictional same universe? universe? That's what I'm talking about. Wow. I will let me throw in these little tidbit bits. Give me there some. is a almost shot for shot recreation of Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, which pains me to say, where Rico is in the bath to tank, bath to tank. It's called a back to tank. Back to tank, sorry. Yeah. He's like doing the same motions. He's got like the diaper on that Luke had. He's got the tube. Mm -hmm. I'm like, they did that. I mean, I was, that was on purpose. I, I assume that was on purpose. Yeah. Um, also made me think, well, I put this in the tiddly bit section. Sorry, I know I'm hijacking this, Bryce, but Sorry. if you could have this movie re-directed um, today, like, who would you, I'm like, oh, what if Christopher Nolan did a Starship Well, I don't Cooper. think Christopher Nolan does a good job with this no? movie. No? I think it'd be kind of funny. I think Christopher Nolan would have to tell you that it's satire at the end with a plot twist. He, he would reveal that it was a <laughs> false flag. He comes on the screen, this is satire. Right, yeah. But, I, uh, I mean, I, and I love, I'm a Christopher Nolan stan, so I, I just don't think Scorsese he's going to Scorsese with De Niro? No. I don't Talking know who does me? it. I don't know who does it. Tarantino? Tarantino was my first thought, actually. I think Tarantino's he, he mine might do, as well. He, I think it has some Inglorious Bastards vibes. Obviously, yeah. the Nazi parallels and such. Um, all right. So, uh, my question, uh, who, who makes it out of the movie alive? I titled it, Who Makes It Off Klindathu. Um... <laughs> So, who comes off this movie looking great, and who comes off this movie looking uh, not great? Whose okay. career never recovered? Um, well, honestly, no one comes off the movie looking great. <laughs> not even Neil Patrick Harris? No, he comes... I, he I com think even he, for you, you have to admit, Neil Patrick Harris comes out... No. Having been just a child actor, and, you know, child actors don't have a great history, this is his moment where he's like, hey, maybe yeah. I'm going to be a serious adult actor. That's fine, but he didn't shine, so... He's a very small role, that's Yeah, he, he makes it off Klendathu in that his... Thank God he has an amazing career after that. Right. But he, and he picks up a few years later with How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Mm. But he doesn't he doesn't come off looking good. Mm -hmm. and no one does in this movie. Who whose career never recovers? Um, Van Deem. Mm -hmm. Um you could argue uh, Jake Busey. Jake Busey's only in this movie. The whole cast, except for Denise Richards, who I think only has a successful career because I mean, look at the roles she's played. She's not a great actress. She's a beautiful actress. She's okay. not very good. So I think Denise Richards is the answer for who comes off the best, though, because this is... She this... was the most critiqued, though, I read. Oh, I'm sure she was. But just, like, what happened to her career after this? Again, I mean, maybe it's for not great reasons. But yeah. after this, she's in Wild Things, Drop Dead Gorgeous. And then two years after this movie, she's the Bond girl. She's in The World Is Not Enough. Mm. Right. True. So, which again, I hate to say that. What you know? There's a reason why she's a Bond girl. So, <laughs> the reason why I was a Bond boy. This is literally like <laughs> cut it out though. That scene. her her like first sexy. big movie, and two years later, she's a Bond girl. Uh, I think she is the one who makes it out of this. Who gets the most out of the movie? She gets the most mileage out of it. And then I agree, Casper Van Dien. Uh, his career never. Goes anywhere off of Klandathu. So. I read online that he does, uh, I never saw it, Dracula 3000, which essentially just completely destroyed his career. Is that like right after this movie? Very, very, like uh, four years after, I believe. Okay. So, yeah. between Klandathu and Dracula 3000. Sorry, I didn't even know there was a Dracula 2000. <laughs> or a 2099. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I think for me, it means similar answer. So, for me, Neil Patrick Harris is who I see kind of just continuing on to better and better stuff both in film and television after this. Uh, and I have the same answer with, with Caster Van Dyne. I, and I, I put it this way. I said, unfortunately, it looks like commanding Rico's Roughnecks was the peak for his career for Mr. Caster Van Dyne. Uh, dope name, though. It is a great name. It's Van Dyne, though. 
We gotta yeah, yeah. share this. So Can't they're actually we, we we mocked it. There actually <laughs> is a Dracula two thousand, but Dracula three thousand is not a direct sequel of that film. <laughs> when did it's it come out? A thousand movies later. Dracula two thousand no, came 3, 000, out. No, three thousand. Dracula three thousand came out in. Uh, this is what we're doing next. Two thousand four. Dracula yeah. two thousand came out in uh, two thousand. That makes sense. Wes Craven produced it. Oh boy! But uh, he's in on everything. Sorry. Yeah. Let's get back to uh, this movie. But uh, I did on a quick check too. Is that uh, Van Dyne? We're Van saying Dean. Van Dyne. We're saying Van Dyne, right? Sure. Dean with an M. Oh yeah, Pam. Pam, and it so, is with an M though. Van Dean. Uh, he's in this Alta Battle Angel movie. I haven't seen it. Alta Vista. Alita. Yeah, yeah. We're saying all the yeah, words right. Yeah, and so is it, he it, in the movie or is he does he like voiceover? I believe he's actually in the movie. But ah. again, I haven't seen that one yeah, yet. Yeah. So. But maybe he's maybe he's on the rise again. Maybe um, yeah, you know, maybe um, he has a late career revival, much like uh, our friend John Travolta did, you know, and much like Brendan Fraser is soon too. Michael Keaton, you're coming back, Brendan. I believe in you. If Vin Diesel is the patron saint of the junk drawer, then Brendan. Hey, that has Fraser, not been coin. That's not a thing. That's a, a brace only opinion. Brendan Fraser is our our biggest hope. Yeah, yeah, Brendan, you're coming back. I we believe in you. Buddy. When you listen to this, guys, know that I told you first. These are big. We're taking big things. <laughs> Be on the lookout, We're saying Brendan. some big things here. Okay, so as we uh, we wind it down, since we've clearly lost the thread, um, our final question, is this movie belong in the junk drawer? Oh, I, my God. I don't think there's any disagreement on this one. Yes. Absolutely, this movie is the, this this, movie is the epitome of the junk this, drawer. I'm going to say something about this movie. I am so glad you picked this because this is a movie I've heard about for my entire life. Never knew it was a 97 movie. Thought it was like a 70s or 80s movie. I'm so glad you picked it because it gave me an excuse to have to watch it. And I'm su- I am was surprised, even though I gave it to 53% because I don't think it's a good movie. It is an enjoyable watch. It's yeah. fun. I would I would rewatch it again tomorrow. Very rewatchable it's very sure. It's fun. It's a fun movie. This is the quintessential. You open up that drawer next to your, the, in the kitchen and you pull out crap. And they're, oh, here's a DVD I bought at Blockbuster in, in, you know, in 2000. One for well, three, and there's three for, the three dollar they were closing down. Yeah, so. exactly. The three other Starship Trooper movies are direct to video, and they just got thrown on the DVD too. Yeah, this movie absolutely fits that bill. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I said yes. And you know, probably more than any other movie we've done on this cast, it belongs in the junk drawer. And I think for two bonus reasons. The first of which being is that probably the first five times I saw this movie, I only saw it on FX in the series of commercial breaks and watching it like on television, mm-hmm. like a, you know, for TV cut. And so there Which is a parts- classic characteristic of a junk drawer movie is that you've only seen it from the middle on FX before. <laughs> it's right, a right. pretty hard R from a, yeah. They right, and so a lot, of it's, out of it. a lot of it's cut, in, cut out. Yeah. And so it's funny when I got to finally watch it at some point for the first time, I didn't even know that the shower scene existed. Uh, <laughs> All of a sudden I'm like, wow, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this part you. was in here. That's, so the best part that's part one of why it gets bonus points. Part two is I think kind of what we've been addressing from the beginning is that it, it exists in a drunk drawer, but it gets bonus points because it's somewhat misunderstood and that, you know, it's trying very, you know, strongly to be this satire and it is achieving that whether or not people agree or not but you know ultimately i think it kind of belongs in junk drawer because it's kind of misunderstood and it exists there in almost kind of this this cult love that exists for people who know (laughs) about its true satirical level even without that this is the ultimate cult movie yeah for sure ultimate cult. as soon as i was done watching it i'm like i bet a billion people love this movie yep it is definitely a 
stereotypical cult movie. So go dig in at your Walmart today and find it. <laughs> yeah, I wish. You think? What do you think, Bryce? You think it's in the... Oh, absolutely. This yeah. is the junk drawer. Classic junk drawer movie. I do have a couple points I want to talk to you guys about. If you guys yeah, this go for it. That's usually where we close, but that's okay. <laughs> the bodies. Like, there's a lot of bloody guts and stuff in this one. In this movie. Did you notice when they got too close to the bodies, they looked fake. They looked like Obviously prop, prop bodies. Fake. They didn't kill real people. Okay, I'm saying like they didn't do a, their due diligence. It's not too hard to get a corpse. They didn't they do their, do, they didn't do their due diligence. They didn't, do their, like okay. they didn't do their due diligence. <laughs> I lost my head when I fell in love with you. They didn't do their due diligence in trying to make it look real. Like well, It's like, oh, that looks like the CPR dummy from The Office, and they just cut a <laughs> hole in it. Um, and also, how crappy of a girlfriend was Denise Richards' character? She's not a good girlfriend. Another tidbit, since we're just spit spitballing here, um, there was supposed to be a stronger reunion between Rico and, and uh, what's her character's name? Ibanez. Uh, they're supposed to get back together romantically, but early test screenings didn't like it. Uh, they said that she was, yeah. like, no, hey, it was bad. Carmen Ibanez? Yeah, I think There you go. Name. She's Hispanic. Right. Oh, she's supposed to be Hispanic yeah. as well. Denise Richards should also be played by a, a yeah. non-white actress. But Instead, they dyed her hair brown. That's about it. Well, I think her hair really is brown. Oh, not blonde? Okay. Yeah, I think she's dyed it blonde. Okay. okay. Yeah, all I want to see is the, the mashup of 500 Days of Summer with this, where you get to see Rico and 500 Casper. Days of Carmen? Yeah, you get to see Casper and Carmen kind of back and forth between times where he's about oh, to get eaten by a no. bug, and then you flash back to day 490. <laughs> Full circle. Oh, man. I think we are more than done here. So, for my co-host, Cole and Mario. Go watch this movie. This is Bryce letting you know that uh, I will continue hosts until I die or we find somebody better. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Junk Drawer Podcast. If there's a movie that you want to hear us talk about, then please reach out to us at askthejunkdrawer at gmail.com. See you next time.